wandering journo at Stories That Matter Studios. I'm Nance Haxton, and this is The Streets of Your Town. The podcast that takes you on an audio journey highlighting a different slice of Australian life each episode. Buckle up to meet a great array of ordinary, everyday, incredible Australians. This podcast is brought to you by DM Podcasts, part of Diamantina Media, with more than 25 million downloads for a range of shows such as The Batuta Advocate and Chat 10 Looks 3. Streets of Your Town podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians on whose land this story was gathered. I acknowledge that for tens of thousands of years, First Nations people walked this country and shared stories on this great land down under, and I walk in their footsteps today. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. It's rare that a musician makes such a mark with her first EP that Rolling Stone US magazine raves and international world music festivals beckon for you to play. But that's exactly what has happened for Brisbane-born and Melbourne-based artist Tiana Carsey, whose eloquent and distinctive music will grace the Madelaide stage this weekend. Her debut EP, Magalia, title for Magalia India, the land of the Kasi tribe whose name she proudly bears, is a testament to the power of her storytelling and ability to weave themes of family, self-empowerment and identity into the contemporary vernacular of Australian music. And as she tells us on Streets of Your Town, Tiana credits finding her voice at such a young age to her life's journey honouring her Samoan and Indian heritage. This combination of influences makes for a unique sound that was further honed from expert teaching at Brisbane's Conservatorium. By exploring and integrating her past, Tiana creates a new take on soulful R&B that sets her apart. Tiana, thank you for joining us on Streets of Your Town today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful to, to have you on, on the show. Look, it's been a while since I've done interviews or podcasts or anything like that. It's been a while since I've released music, but yeah, um, it's nice to have things to be excited over. And That's great. I, particularly uh, in Melbourne, where you're living now, I believe, that COVID was just a shocker down there, wasn't it? It must have brought everything to a halt for a while. Yeah, it's funny, like, just the, I guess, you know, everyone's had, like, a similar experience of reassessing how much, you know, without realising, music in all sorts of forms really took up our time, whether it was, like, live gigs, being able to go into radio stations and do community radio interviews, yeah, like, rehearsals, studio time, like... Once all that was completely stripped back, I was like, wow, this I got a lot of free time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, even just um, 
it was actually a really good perspective shift after like touring and, and playing lots of festivals not even being able to play you know like I, I live quite close to high street with all the classic sort of you know like open studio for example like always they literally have music every night of the week wonderful and, you know all the all the small little bars and cafes that champion local music even not being able to play those i was like oh i just as soon as covid's over i literally just want to do like a jazz residency i just want to go like sing in any bar like anywhere that will have me i'll get on the what a way for you to come back tiana you've uh, been, you've scored a gig at wymad congratulations that's it's a big Thank deal you. getting selected for there isn't it i know it it really it's such a um like sometimes I guess it can be a once in a lifetime achievement in a sense. Um, I feel really grateful that it's happened in a bit of a non-traditional like off cycle way. I guess normally like, and I'm not sure, I guess depends on how much listeners understand about like inner workings of music industry, but usually big festivals like this, they book artists primarily based around when they're releasing, you know, a full album or if they've had a really good single, like it's all very like pre-planned and lined up with a release schedule. So I feel really grateful that, um, yeah, WOMAD is, you know, inviting me to be a part of this, even though I'm not necessarily like on the scene with a fresh new album just yet. So I, I think I credit a lot of it to, yeah, there's just been some really beautiful gigs I've done down in Adelaide through like Porch Records and at Odeo and I think just a smaller community pockets of music lovers putting on great shows down there. I think that's been a really awesome opportunity for people from WOMAD to see, yeah, Melbourne musicians doing their thing. Adelaide is is a bit of a I know the east coast still looks down its nose a bit at Adelaide but there's some wonderful little pockets like you say for creativity and for artists and and a wonderful support for artists in in the same way maybe not as big as Melbourne but just some beautiful venues and yeah I mean Endless Groove is like a collective that put me up for my first Adelaide gig and the community and the crowd that came out was so amazing. I, something I really loved about gigging in Adelaide was that I knew that at the gig it would be a beautiful venue, the people would be really attentive and engaged, and the food and wine would be good too. So <laughs> Absolutely. I was very happy about my rider. Um, I think they had, was it Sunny's Pizza? That's great. Um, so like, <laughs> I maybe maybe I'll move there. But Added yeah, bonus. All the, if the food and wine is good, the music is going to guarantee to be even better. That's right. You don't need a bowl with all the yellow M&Ms taken out or anything like that. It's just <laughs> yeah. like the wine and the... And the, and the beautiful food. Oh, yes, I miss those central markets in Adelaide. But tell us a bit about, so, so what do you uh, plan for WOMAD audiences to, to give us a little bit of a taste? This is certainly one of the biggest world music festivals in the world. So how do you capture a slice of, of what you do, do you think, for that? Yeah, I guess, you know, when, especially when you're considering like an international lineup and in general, it's for me like a process in questioning myself, like, well, what is it about me that that has something different to say when I'm, when I have that platform on stage. And for me, like a lot of my music, whether it's like super explicitly referenced or if it's more of an internal creative thing, like I reference a lot to my heritage as coming from like a mixed background of like Samoan and Anglo Indian heritage. So 
I think, you know, for me, it's like being able to perform songs that include like some Samoan language, um, include songs that reference old folklore from like my um, Northeast Indian family and yeah, and more so like in a musical way. This will be like my first gig where I've got backing vocalists arranged into the, the live performance, Wonderful. which I can't I've never done before. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> but I thought like Womad's kind of the place to to do it. And yeah, I think Womad and beyond, I really want to start incorporating more. I guess like Samoan music is just so like, if people aren't familiar, like Samoa is a small island in the South Pacific. It's a couple of islands in the South Pacific and that's where my mum's family comes from. Um, but there's a lot of like, gospel influence and also just traditionally like it's such a a vocal singing culture so it's normal for everyone to just sing and everyone just chimes in with harmonies and you know there's no like formal training or anything it's just actually about all singing together and having that really wholesome experience with your family or at church or whatever. So I think for me, like I'm trying to bring a bit more of that into my live shows because like BBs, there's something about like when you have like a good stack of harmonies that like you could be singing Mary Had a Little Lamb, it'll give you goosebumps. So (laughs) I feel like that's, that's kind of what I'm going for with the Womad show is just lots of backing vocals and really showcasing yeah, like the the EP, like the songs that came out on that and also a few new ones as yeah. well. So that was in 2019? That was really pivotal, that EP? Yeah, I guess because yeah, it came out 2019. I started writing the songs maybe like two years before that mm. and slowly chipped away at it over a couple of years with Sam Pology, who produced the EP. But, yeah, it was called Megalaya or Megalia which is the region in northeast India that my grandmother and great-grandmother come from. So so Kasi in my name comes from the name of the Kasi people, which is our Indigenous tribe in northeast India. So it was kind of like a little collage of, you know, me being like a, a jazz student at the con in Queensland and like having all of this jazz and R&B and soul influence and working with local like jazz musicians to piece together a live sound, but also working with Sampology who had this really amazing, like experimental, like hip hop and electronic approach to music. And yeah, like I was just so like, even now I'm just like, wow, that was such a special experience making the EP, but also releasing it and, and still feeling like how it, what four years on that it still has, a place that resonates with people and that you've come up with with such a unique uh and and authentic sound I think can you tell us a bit about your your wonderful background that you've touched on there and uh, so you were born in Australia but it sounds like you've always been very connected with uh with with your cultural roots on 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 all sides to a degree can you tell us about that and how that was fostered at least for me like when I was younger I didn't really clock that I was, you know, the first generation of, like, first generation on both sides of my family, like, born in Australia and raised here. So it kind of took a little while when I got older that I just sort of had this awareness that, like, oh, not everyone has households with, like, different cultural practices or 
even like, you know, having like bilingual grandparents. My parents' generation was very much about assimilating after they migrated here. And I think same with my grandparents. But there was, I guess for me, like a bit of not an identity crisis, but definitely like a feeling of like, I feel different and I feel like there's something kind of missing. And the more I kind of scratch the surface and stopped taking for granted like all the wealth of knowledge my grandparents had and even just you know old photo albums of India in like the 60s and my grandparents also lived in Papua New Guinea before they came to Australia so there's just such a a really rich background that I grew up not even clocking was like my like that's part of my family history and such a mix of influences Yeah, yeah. And it's like a visual thing as well as a musical thing. Like my grandma, she was from uh, Shillong, which is like in northeast India. But she also grew up listening to jazz. And she used to describe like in, you know, this sort of hill, forest, super lush green region, there would still be like big band nights where they would have like a dance hall and they'd all get dressed up and drink gin and tonic and be dancing to jazz music <laughs> in the jungle. And it's like that visual for me is like so inspiring. And same like with my with my Nana and, um, you know, like with my Samoan side of my family, there's definitely like a traditional side to it, which is very much like, like we call it fast Samoan, which means like, you know, that's like the traditional ways. But once you migrate and you have all this crossover of like, you know, contemporary, like, Western culture influences. It's like, that was me growing up with my cousins listening to Destiny's Child at my Nana's house whilst we're all doing the chores, like, cleaning up or, yeah, you know, or even just, like, childhood memories of, like, all right, putting on a show, like, go on, do a, like, talent show for the adults, whatever, and it's all of us, like, like, dressed up in lava lovers and, you know, doing a Siva Samoa in front of, like, our little audience and... Yeah, so I think it's a nostalgic, like I'm fully indulging in like a nostalgia and trying to archive all these really precious memories that I have of my family, as well as like trying to find my own like contemporary identity, like as a person and in the arts, because there's so much like diaspora in, especially in Australia, of people that have migrated and kind of lost their culture because... Mm. They have sort of no choice but to assimilate, which is a survival, you know, mechanism. Like if you want to get the job or, you know, you want to do well in school, then there's an expectation that you have to lose your language and be a master in English or I don't know. So, or like, you know, eat, you know, ham and cheese sandwiches at school instead of taking (laughs) your leftovers or I don't know. I think there's. Kind of like a reclamation, I guess. Have you been able to um, to go back and visit uh, at all, at all these wonderful places that have so influenced you? Yeah, I grew up going to Samoa almost every year as a mm-hmm. kid. And my um, in my Nana's village, we've got like family, like title land where whenever we would go back, we'd stay in like my granny's old house and stuff or like on my granny's old property so I grew up more close to my Samoan side in in terms of actually being on the island and yeah having more of a connection to the place but then with India 
I think maybe as well, like why I dove into it so much with the EP was that I hadn't been, I haven't actually gone to Megalia, but I have been to the South, like very South part of India. I went with uni. I did like um, some North and like South Indian classical like music. Oh, how awesome. When I was studying. Mm. Yeah. So we did like an exchange program and we're more focused on Carnatic music, which is completely different to like the music up north. So whilst going back to India, I had this sense of like, oh, is this like, am I returning? Like, is this, is this my, you know, I'm going to have some like awakening or something when <laughs> I went there. And, but it was really confronting because the South is so far from the North mm. and it's completely different languages. The food is different just because I was, you know, in the country, it still didn't feel as connected. And also there's just so many, I guess, nuance, like conversations and, you know, things around like classism and stuff, or even just recognizing, like for me, like identifying as an Indian person when I was in India, it was like laughable. Um, like that's fair enough. That's totally fair enough. You got, you yeah, got that impression? Yeah. Oh yeah. I was mm. like, Who do I think I am like claiming to be like an Indian person or a person of Indian heritage when I'm over here and like, almost feeling a little bit rejected by the people, but it's like, that's just like part of the complications and Mm. the spiciness of having mixed heritage. It's like kind of don't really fit in neither here or there. Yes. So just finding my own kind of meaning in it. But yeah, I definitely want to go up to Megalia with some family because it's quite like hard to get up there. You have to, the, the roads are really bad and you have to get like a, two flights and a couple of buses and you have to know someone to like drive you up the hills and everything. So I think it'll be a really special trip. Oh. I'm going to put it out there. I'm like, maybe when I go, there'll be, we'll take a film crew or like do a documentary or something. Absolutely. Like that the dream. Oh, that's a great dream. But it sounds like music has been uh, quite a comfort to you, I suppose, in, in trying to yeah figure out your place in all that, that it's, that's been a good expression for it to you. Yeah, totally. I guess music, it helps you process whether it's like, you know, difficult events or traumatic events or even sort of unfinished thoughts that you might have around something or something you're not feeling quite resolved over. Music is a really great way to process and like integrate those experiences and thoughts and feelings because especially if you're, you know, you might write the song and feel feel awesome after writing it but then recording it and having to do a million takes of it and then taking it on tour and playing it 50 times over a few weeks or something it kind of for me personally at least like I've written songs and been like okay I feel good after writing it but then it's like so therapeutic to really see it through and yeah it kind of gives back to you in a way like a therapy session or something, <laughs> and and combined too, I was really with um, the the training that you had at the the conservatorium in Brisbane. There's just so many fantastic emerging artists that are coming from that background now. There's it's really getting quite a good reputation, isn't it? Yeah, and I think definitely from a vocal perspective, I learned so much 
from Dr. Irene Bartlett, who's the head of voice there. She's an incredible pedagogue and, you know, she's a real pioneer and I love her sort of approach and her theories around the voice and performance. Um, She was really, she still teaches there actually. And I'm like, should I go do my master's? I just want to go get a couple of lessons with Irene. (laughs) Yeah. So she's the head of the head of voice at, at the conservatorium. Oh, brilliant. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just a really cool like approach, like contemporary approach to singing and performance psychology. And yeah, it makes so much sense that like that everyone coming out of there, having like a jazz background where you can improvise and you learn to work with other musicians and probably just listen to a bunch of really good music for you the whole time whilst you're studying. Brisbane's very can be very underrated, I think. Are you planning on touring or anything after Waimat or what comes after that? Where can people see you and hear you perform? At the moment, I'm working on releasing new music. So um, I was really lucky last year to be the recipient of um, a grant, a PPCA grant to go towards making like the next release, which will be an album. So I'm working on like a couple of things. So I've got some singles and maybe like a mixtape of some stuff. And then um, the bigger project that I'm really focusing on is just my first album being a really um, sort of polished body of work. So I'm, I'm pretty much in like studio mode at the moment. Um, I think Womad's probably like the last thing, the last gig on my my booking or radar for a while because it's it's like how do you top that? I'm like happy to leave it there and then get off the flight from Womad and just go straight into the studio. And we'll, we'll all just uh, listen to your EP in the meantime and look out for you yeah. and that uh, release of your first album and hopefully see you on the road. Then that'll be great. Yeah, actually, I just remembered I do have a track that's coming out. Mm. Um, it's not, it's co-wrote it with Sampology mm-hmm. and do feature vocals on it. So that'll be a single that comes out via Sampology's platform. Right. So on Bandcamp and yeah. So if you tune into Sampology's stuff, um, I think it's like a nice full circle moment. Like a few years after the EP, we've, we've written a new song together and he'll be putting that out. It's called Constant Call. Oh, well, look, I'm so excited for you with WOMAD and, and the big crowd that comes from that and the international exposure. Who knows where it can go from there, Tiana? It'll be wonderful. What a great opportunity. I'm going to have to go. Um, There's going to be some good cooking lessons in the workshop, so I'm like, <laughs> yes. you know what? If anything, I'm going to come home at least with, like, some good food in my belly, some recipes. <laughs> <laughs> and all those wonderful memories from the Botanic Gardens right. in Adelaide. Gorgeous spot. The bat screeching. Oh, yes. Of- <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm at the bat stage. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on Streets of Your Town today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been really lovely speaking with you.
things just ain't the same But I know I'll see you again But until then Oh, good things must come to an end I'll see you again, I miss you my friend Good things must come to an end I'll see you and some of her sublime music for this episode of Streets of Your Town. produced by Nance Haxton, a.k.a. The Wandering Journo, with production assistance from Michael Adams. That's it for this episode. I'm Nance Haxton. If you'd like to meet more everyday, incredible Australians, subscribe and listen to the back catalogue of Streets of Your Town, including Series 2, The Journo Project, on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please review and rate Streets of Your Town on your podcast provider, share the show with your mates, or join my wandering Journo tribe of supporters at the Streets of Your Town website, soyt.substack.com. Thank you.